So good to see everyone this morning. It's always a pleasure to be able to come and stand before our God and to offer him our sacrifices. That is the fruit of our lips, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we offer. And it's always, of course, such a wonderful privilege to be able to gather around the table and to partake of the, the bread and the fruit of the vine, remembering the body and the blood of our Lord. It is a solemn and sad day, but at the same time it is a wonderful and encouraging day that we can do at the same time remember our Lord's death and at the same time encourage one another and, and appreciate the fellowship that we have in our Lord. Thank you all for being here. I want to talk this morning, uh, continuing in a series of lessons that we have been looking at, and the, the title of the lesson is Highest and Best, and from Proverbs 3 and verse 9 there, it says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. The idea behind these lessons is that we, we are looking at how we best serve God. And there is a distinction there, and it's, and it's worthy, and that's the reason that we are looking at these lessons, in that we can serve God, we can do it wholeheartedly, or we can do it half-heartedly. And of course, God wants us to do it wholeheartedly. He wants our best. He wants the highest that we might be able to give him. And when we talk about highest, we're, we're looking at things like how it is that we can best serve him, how it is that we uh, might better and best know him. So all this is in an effort to, to better ourselves as Christians and to better ourselves as, as children of God. So we've been looking at lessons throughout this year, and, and the first series of these lessons is we're focused on our worship. When we come together on the first day of the week, there are these five things that we do uh, every first day of the week. We sing and we pray and we take the Lord's Supper and we give back as we have prospered. And then we, then we sit and we listen to God's Word. And sometimes we, <laughs> this is the part of the service where we kind of shut down, isn't it? We can just sit and listen, our eyes might get a little heavy, and I know I'm not the most dynamic speaker in the world. But I would encourage you to, to listen and to be engaged in uh, God's Word because as I present to you God's word, take me out of the equation for a moment and understand that what I'm giving you is indeed God's word. We're going to look at a scripture in just a few moments that, that says that, and Paul emphasizes that. So I might not be the most engaging speaker in the world, but the message that I have to bring to you, I assure you is. I assure you that there is no greater story. There are no greater lessons. There are, there's no greater way of life than what God has presented in his scriptures. So at the very least, give him his due in that. So what we want to look at this morning is, of course, our best listening to God's word. Let's look at some things that, that will help reinforce that and help to understand that I know that it's, it's late morning and, and, and it's quiet and cool in here and it sometimes can be hard, but engage yourself. Engage yourself in, in what's being said and and turning to the passages and look at what God has said. Because that's just as much of a part of our worship as it is to gather around the table. Or to, to sing songs. Or to pray. It's part of our worship to God. 
And this is the part where we encourage one another through our presence and through our active listening and how we better equip ourselves as we leave this place and go out into the world, how we deepen our appreciation for God and our deepen our appreciation for the Holy Scriptures. So let's start off um, this way and talking about the importance of hearing. And so as I so often do, I want to look at some, some examples in Scripture and see why it is that listening to what God has to say is so important. And let's start by understanding this, that the Word of God is life-giving. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second telling. That's what it means. It's a retelling of the law. This is Moses recounting uh, the history of the Jews up to this point. Over just a couple more chapters, in chapter 34, Moses is going to die. He's going to be 120 years old when he dies, and he's going to die there as he looks into the promised land. But because he disobeyed God, as we've just been looking at there at, uh, uh, at Mount um, at Rephidim, um, there, it's Mirabah, i got my, my places uh, confused, it's Mirabah, where he's, God told him to go and to, to speak to the rock, but, but Moses struck the rock instead, and, and then he, and he told the children of Israel that we're going to bring forth this water from out of this rock, and this is what we're going to be talking about Wednesday night class, by the way. And because of that, God says, you're not going to enter the promised land because you did not do exactly what I told you to do. So here at the end of Moses' life, he's, he's recounting some things, and he's telling the children of Israel as he's getting them ready to enter into the promised land, Chapter 32 there, he talks about, beginning there at verse 1, Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets of fresh grass. He goes on to speak of God and his glory and his majesty. And you come down to verse 44. He says, Then Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He was Joshua the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words which I am warning you today, which you shall command to your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. Now listen to what it says here in verse 47. For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. You see, God's word is meant to be taken very seriously. And as Moses is telling the children of Israel, listen to the things I'm telling you. These are not idle words. I'm not just um, pontificating. I'm not just speaking into the air. I'm telling you words that are important. He says, indeed, it is your life. Now think about that. These words are your life. The children of Israel for them, the word of God was so precious because of all the laws and all the things that they had to uh, hold to in order to, to practice the law. Think about how important each one of those words were. And not only that, but think about the lessons behind the words. And this is what God has always wanted. And this is what the children of Israel missed. This is what the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees missed. What's behind the words? 
The words are important. What's behind the words is even more so. To be a, children, to be a child of God and to keep his commandments and do what he says. Moses says here that these words are life-giving, that they indeed are your life. They're not idle. These words are important to you. God also tells us about our salvation. Look with me over in Isaiah 53. We read this as, uh, as our scripture reading this morning. A familiar passage to us. We read this often, when, especially when we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. God tells us of our salvation. And he's told us of our salvation for a very long time. We see prophecy in the Old Testament about the coming Christ. Now it takes uh, a while for this plan to unfold. And it takes uh, the events to happen in a certain order, at a certain time of, in history, for it to indeed take place. But God has been talking about our salvation and the one who would bring that for a very long time. Here in Isaiah 53, beginning of verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? This is a, a form of, of writing and a form of uh, conversing here called rhetoric. It's, it's answering, kind of answering your own questions. But this is a style that, that Isaiah is engaged in here. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Interesting to, to think about how long before Christ's coming this is written. But he's going to be talking about the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. He says there, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form of majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. And we know that as we read through this, we see our Lord, the suffering servant, the one who was crushed, who was put to death. But that was part of God's plan. If you look down there in verse 10, it says, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He would see his offspring. He would prolong his days, and the good pleasure of his Lord will prosper in his hand. You see, this is God's plan. It was God's plan to put his son to death at the hands of men. And so God has been telling us about salvation for a very long time. So how important must it be then to listen to what God has to say? The words that we, the teachers and preachers, are telling you are are words that God wants you to know. For a very long time he's been telling us about this coming Christ who would save man from his sins. Think of this also, that God hides nothing from believers. Look over in Mark chapter 4. You know, even if we, as we read there in, in Isaiah uh, 53, the, the true meaning of those things were, were hidden to those prophets that were writing these things. They didn't fully understand about the coming Messiah. Each was given parts of it, and, and the prophecies are in such a language that it's, it's, it's not... Um, it, all the puzzle wouldn't be put together until Jesus Christ came and put all those pieces together. But God is, has not hidden it to us any longer. He has revealed it to us instead. He has revealed his complete plan for mankind, and that's why it is so important for us to, to read and to know and to understand the Old Testament that points to the Christ and understand the New Testament, which tells us exactly about the Christ. 
in Mark chapter 4 here, Jesus uh, has the, the, this parable about the sower and how the sower went out to sow seed. And, and, and we know about parables, it's a casting alongside. It's a, it's a description and an illustration to give a heavenly meaning in, in terms of earthly uh, things. So he talks about the sower and, uh, and the different types of, uh, of ground that they fell on. Uh, and uh, verse 10 it says, And as he, when he was alone, his followers along with the twelve began asking him about the parables. So they want to know, what do these parables mean? What does it mean when you're talking about a sower sowing seed on the ground? Verse 11, Jesus says, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables. In order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. You see, as a, as a child of God, as we study and, and uh, know more about the scriptures, we can understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus himself helps us in the parables early on. He tells us, in, in Matthew's accounting of the parables and others, this is what the parable meant. He doesn't do that with every parable, but he does it with a handful of them. And so for the believer, we can understand the mystery of what God has set forth from the very beginning. It is revealed throughout the Old Testament, and as the New Testament comes in, the New Testament writers leave behind their writings. They tell us of the mysteries that God has given to us, has revealed to us. So he hides nothing from believers. He, we've been given everything, all things pertaining to life and godliness, as Peter says there in 2 Peter 1, verse 3. All things pertaining to life and godliness. So we have the benefit, the prophets of old and the prophets of new. Let's talk about the other side of this. Let's talk about the danger in not listening. Let's talk about the danger when we, when we sit and and let things go over our head, and we're not engaged in listening and hearing what God has to say. There's some dangers in that. First of all, think of it in this terms, in these terms. Think about what you're missing. Think about what it is that you are missing. When you're not actively engaged and, and following along and, and, and digging into, into God's Word. Use this as an example. Look in John chapter 1. John so beautifully tells us about Jesus. John is probably my favorite gospel because of the writing style and because of the way in which he presents it. Beautiful language. Think about what you're missing if you're not following along, if you're not involved in, in reading God's word. Beginning in verse 1 of John 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Let's stop there for just a moment. Come down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How important is God's word? God's word is Jesus Christ. That's pretty important. That's pretty important. And John tells us that the, the, the equation here of, of the word and Jesus Christ. How important must his word be? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
Look at the stage that John is setting for his discussion of, of the Christ, of Jesus. He talks about him being the light of the world. In him is no darkness. Verse 9, there is the true light which comes into the world and enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Think about what you're missing if you're, if you're skimming over that. If you don't give that its due. Come down to verse 16. For of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. How important, how important is it to know Jesus Christ? John says that if you want to know God, you need to know Jesus Christ. Think about what you're missing if you're, if you're not ready to, to just uh, consume the rest of the book of John and find out about what he has to say about Jesus Christ. Understand this also, that the danger in not listening is that God is not going to be pleased. Look over in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is the next to the last book of the Old Testament. Book number 30, 38. Right, Bill? Would that make it number 38, I believe? Number 38. I always ask you, what book is 39 is the book of Malachi? 40 is the book of Matthew. Zechariah is the next to the last book of the Old Testament. And Zechariah is prophesying about those returning from captivity. Or that's, that's during the time that he is speaking, those who are returning from captivity. And he is, uh, as prophets often do, the word of God comes to him and God tells him about some of the things that happened in days of old. And God here in chapter 7 is telling Zechariah, how the children of Israel got into the predicament of being in captivity. Look there in Zechariah 7, beginning in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds like a, a good way to live your life. But look what he says in verse 11. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. Now, I love the, the, the idea of this, stop their ears from hearing. Can't you see the physical manifestation of that? I'm not even listening like a, like a child might do. Verse 12. They made their hearts like flint so they could not hear the law of the words which the Lord of hosts has sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And it came about that just as he called and they would not listen. So they called and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a storm wind among all the nations whom they have not known. Thus the land is desolate behind them so that no one went back and forth. It made the pleasant land desolate. So what happened to the children of Israel when they would not hear God, when they stopped up their ears, made their hearts like flint? God scattered them. They were taken away into captivity. 
The land that he had promised to Abraham was left desolate. The land of milk and honey that was promised to them. He took them out of that land. All because they would not hear the word of God. They would not hear the voice of God. So there's real danger in not listening to what God has to say. Bring that to us today. If we don't listen to what God has to say, we're going to be eternally lost. Look in 2 Thessalonians. There's a warning there that we see in Zechariah about uh, the, the, the children of Israel when they were refused to listen to God and they were carried away into captivity. That was the punishment for them not heeding the words of God. What does it mean for us today to not heed the word of God? Paul tells us here in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, beginning verse 6. It says, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to those who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. So what's the, what's the consequence for not listening to the gospel? As Paul tells the Thessalonians here, those will be eternally lost. Removed from the presence of God. Eternal destruction. Those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we, we think about those lost in this world, and, um, and it's sad. But think about being eternally lost. While we're on this earth, we, believers and unbelievers, have a certain level of uh, of grace bestowed upon us from God. Jesus talks about how he, he, the, the, it rains on the just and the unjust. There are certain blessings that we have in this world just because we are his creation. Now those of us who are Christians who have come into the kingdom, there's a whole other level of blessings that we have while we're still on this earth. And certainly in the life to come after. But those who are going to be lost, those who do not obey the gospel, are going to be eternally lost, and they're not even going to have any connection with God, away from the presence of God. Now, that's frightening. It's frightening to be away from the presence of God in eternal destruction, eternal torment. Though there's a danger in not listening and not heeding what God is saying to us. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about our faith as we wrap up this lesson. How is it that we are going to have faith? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, I mentioned this a minute ago. Paul says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that you, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, 
but for what it really is, the Word of God, which, is all, which also performs its work in you who believe. I mentioned this in my introduction. Take me out of the equation for a moment. Now, please understand I'm not dismissing what important role preachers have. We're going to look at that here in just a moment in Romans. But what I should be presenting to you is the Word of God. That's what Paul strove to do. That's what the apostles were striving to do. They were striving to give them the Word of God. Now, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament, and they were writing letters back and forth to to, to, to brethren, and, and these things would later on be assembled, and the Gospels would be assembled, and that's what we have as the New Testament. During this time, they're speaking to them. In the oral tradition, Paul standing in front of them, and also in these letters that are going to these churches. But what he's saying here, that what I'm telling you is the Word of God. That's where our faith needs to come from. Have we seen Paul the Apostle? Have we seen Peter the Apostle? Have we seen Jesus Christ? We have not. What do we have instead? We have the Word of God. And that's where our faith comes from. Look over in Romans chapter 10. We looked at this passage last week in connection with contending earnestly for the faith. But it fits so beautifully here about what it is that our faith is based on. In Romans 10, beginning of verse 11, it says, For the scripture says, without believers in him, who will be disappointed? Or whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Excuse me. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches, for whom who all call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now listen. How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet for those who bring glad tidings of good things. What is it that our, how is it that we have faith? How is it that we know about Jesus Christ? Well, someone has told us. Somewhere along the way, someone has told us. And then we have the wonderful uh, book, the Bible, to tell us further. So we can go and look and read about Jesus Christ, all these things that we've talked about already. We can go to Isaiah 53 and see the prophecy of the suffering servant there. We can go to the First Thessalonians there and see how Paul is talking about that what they're bringing is the word of God. We can go back to Deuteronomy and, and read there about Moses and how he's saying these are the words of life. These are not idle words. But all that has come because someone has told you about it. And you have gone to the scriptures to find out more. Verse 16. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? It's a nice way to bring us back to Isaiah 53. That's the first verse there. Lord, who has believed our report? We're putting it out there. This is why Paul draws on that verse. Not everybody's going to heed what we have said, but the report's there. It's there for everyone to see. Whether or not they see it and heed it is up to them. 
Verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Our faith comes through our hearing. Hearing what preachers and teachers say, hearing what the word of God says. So how important is it that we listen? Brethren, it's the basis of our faith. This is how we build our faith, through listening, hearing, understanding, putting into practice the Word of God. Are you listening? When I stand and speak, are you listening? When others teach class or when you go visit somewhere else, are you listening to what's being said? Are you following that good example in Acts 17 of the Bereans there who searched the Scriptures daily to see if these things that the apostles were teaching were true? Is that what you're doing? Make sure. Make sure that I am teaching the truth. Make sure that I am not leading you down a, a path of, of error. We talked about in our class this morning. Secretly introducing destructive heresies. That's what Peter warned the brethren that he was speaking to about. This is how we do it. Listen to God's word. Make sure we understand it. This is how we might serve God to our highest and best. Let's be involved in our listening. Let's be active listeners. I heard it explained one time as an aggressive listener. And I like that term. An aggressive listener. When I look out into the audience, I can see who's an aggressive listener. And I want you all to be that way. So that you're engaged in God's word. And make sure that you appreciate not only the efforts of the preacher and the teacher, but appreciate the word of God that's being brought to you. This is how we can better serve our God. We offer an invitation, as we always do at the end of our time. Number 280, I have decided to follow Jesus. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to, to become one, to put on Christ through baptism so that you can enter into the kingdom and be at the feet of the king. And if as a child of God you're, you've stumbled or you're not living the life you should, I would encourage you to make that right. You can let your requests be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.